Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. You're listening to the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast Deer Season Special. These bonus episodes revolve around deer hunting stories and experiences from a host of deer hunters. These whitetail hunting BS sessions will be launched every week during the 2023 hunting season, adding fuel to your fire in the deer woods. Be entertained and hopefully learn something along the way. The title sponsor of the Deer Season Special Series is Vantage Point Archery, home to the toughest machined one-piece broadheads made in the USA. VPA products are built to last, which is why they have a lifetime warranty. And if you're not completely satisfied, you can send it back, which I highly doubt will occur. New to the lineup this year is VPA's Omega Broadhead. It combines the features of a single bevel with strength of a double bevel. This broadhead also comes with lay flat sharpening technology. You heard right, a single bevel broadhead you can lay flat and sharpen without a jig. You can find the Omega and all the other broadheads at vparchery.com. Pennsylvania Woodsman is also brought to you by Radix Hunting, home of the M-Core cell camera, stick and pick camera accessories, and much more. Also brought to you by Vitalize Seed, a one-two planting system designed with diversity and biology in mind, making it the best food plot available. And lastly, by Huntworth Gear, quality hunting clothing at an affordable cost, makers of heat boost technology. This week's guest is my good friend Travis Bailey. I've known Travis since I'm a little kid. We've hunted together. We've talked about deer hunting from school all through our adulthood life. And we're going to revisit the story of the biggest buck to date that he has killed. A true five-and-a-half-plus-year-old monster Pennsylvania whitetail. It was a three-year quest for this deer. And what started out as Mission Impossible turned into reality the third year when he was able to connect on this deer. A beautiful ten-pointer that uh, was a dream come true. We're going to talk about his hunting experiences leading up to getting that picture, the habitat types that he's hunted, and how his hunting strategy over the years and his goals have changed leading to that deer, and then afterwards. The aftermath of killing a deer of that caliber has been a reality check for many people because deer of that caliber aren't around every tree in every corner every single year. So the challenge in of itself may not be the size of the animal, but the pursuit of the place that you hunt. And we're going to talk about that all in this episode. This is a dynamite episode. We're going to talk about this story all the way through to the big woods hunting that we're doing this fall and rifle season. So I hope you enjoy this episode. So I'm curious, like when you were in the, did you take notice like in the cut were, were the oaks that were standing in the cut, were they dropping acorns yeah. too? Yeah. Because it was funny because we were we were just up at uh, at camp scouting in September, and they weren't dropping real hard. But in the cut, it didn't seem like the oak trees had as many acorns in the cut where they had full canopy. But you got out of the cut in the hardwoods, and most of the red oaks had a lot on. Yeah. And I was wondering, like, did that have any influence with that late frost? Did some get hit harder yeah. than others? No, there. it's loaded with acorns inside there because uh, the last time I checked my camera before the season, I 
was running short on time. I thought I'm going to take a shortcut to my camera instead of coming in on the bottom side. I'm going to cut right through it. And as of now, you can still walk through it. I mean, there's not a lot of growth yet, mm-hmm. but I walked through it, and that was uh, that was sometime mid September, late September, maybe, and there was a lot of acorns on the ground then. So this is not really relating to where you shot your buck last year um it's not very far it's way the crow flies probably only probably only a little over a quarter mile maybe but i never uh i shouldn't say i never i last year in the season i did hunt over there two times but that was before it was cut i just randomly went in there two Mm -hmm. mornings in a row i think and i saw deer the first morning Several deer, actually. So I went back the second morning, didn't see a thing the second morning. Um, I don't remember why I even went over there. I think it's because when I was going into my other spot in the morning, I was seeing a lot of deer right in that area. I thought, I'm going to give it a try over here. Like I said, never hunted there before. Um, but no, it's not It's not terribly far from where I normally hunt. Um, there is the way the the public land lays there. There is actually private ground between there and where I normally Mm. hunt. But yeah, this is the first year I really am honing in on that area. And it, from what I'm finding, it's, it's a challenge to hunt over there because of, uh, the cut, those deer are in there for a reason. It's not easy to get in there and hunt them. And I think that's why, that's one reason that among the fact that there's topography in the mountain that it just holds deer and lets them, evade people to get to the next age class because let's face it anytime i swear any of the mountain ranges you go anywhere it just holds deer of an age class and good deer but it's a little different than the hunting you used to do and uh we'll we'll get rolling here because i i uh, i wanted to tell a story i'm sitting here uh with my real good buddy travis bailey and we're uh we're kind of reflecting over the season so far and stuff that we were talking about but we uh i i wanted to kind of take a trip down memory lane for this episode and stuff but we'll we'll get to that but you were uh you were doing uh doing a bunch of honey just whacked a doe the other night so that's probably gets gets yep. the itch off yeah i uh i was kind of anxious and i that was actually on some private ground we got permission to and they uh they've been having they have some grapes there uh they've been having a lot of deer damage over the past couple of years nobody's really been hunting it for two years or so and they were kind of after me to shoot some deer there so i decided to burn my doe tag there and felt pretty good i bought a inline muzzle loader i think three years ago now from one of our buddies and i think i've had it out of the house twice maybe so Wait, i know I, I took it last year to jersey yep uh <laughs> i think maybe i had it out hunting twice so this year i said i'm gonna shoot a deer with that gun this year and i still have not shot anything with my inline i took it out like twice in my life um, I took it out last year and then I had this thing and I still do, I guess, but I've had this thing where I never wanted to miss, uh, the first day of gun season. Like, and I've, I've kept it that I've hunted, even if it's just like the evening or something, like I've always gone the first day. And when I was hunting down that, when I was working down at Hopewell, there was a section of property that was closed to center fire rifles. And I figured, well, maybe that's a good place to go try. I'll take my inline down there. And I just like right after work for an hour and a half, I took it just to say I went the first day, but that's like the only time I ever took my inline. And, uh, 
I still would like to shoot something with it. Maybe at some point I will. But yeah, you. Uh, well, it was funny because you, you earlier in the week you were sending me pictures of bear. Yep. And the uh, when you text me that you were out with the, with the inline, I said, "Oh, are you looking for a yogi?" And I don't even remember what you said. But like the next picture you sent me, like you're like that didn't take long. I'm like, did you just shoot a bear? <laughs> no, uh, I I did go there because I was getting bear pictures, um, but. Once I was in the stand, I was only in the stand about 20 minutes when some doe came out and I just couldn't resist. I thought, <laughs> I told myself I was going to shoot a deer with this gun this year and I don't know how many more times I was going to get out this week. So I right. decided to pull the trigger and it Whoops. was a weeknight. So shooting one at 455 was really tempting because I had time to deal with it get it out of there i had it to the truck in 45 minutes and i was home before dark so yeah that's usually the best way to do it when you're trying to talk about after work deer usually it doesn't end that easy i know when we were uh when we were down in jersey i think i i laid in bed at like 11 o'clock at night that night just because it took so long to get everything else out yeah i think i uh had her skinned and in the cooler and I was sitting on the couch by 8.30, I think, so yeah, that's that was not, pretty good. That's not too bad. What are you looking forward to? Because you've kind of shifted gears over the years. Cause you've hunted all sorts of different properties over the years from, you know, stuff close to home growing up to, you know, farm pieces here. You've kind of shifted gears, and you've gravitated towards hunting some more public and mountain stuff. So I'm kind of curious, what are you looking forward to this archery season the most, whether it's property or, or more or less time frame? to to focus on some of these places we were talking about earlier um what i found from my season last year um the time frame i'm really looking to hunt the mountain is starting right now um october 19th 20th today's the 19th as we're recording this last year i did some scouting on a sunday and that was probably oh that could have been maybe the 15th of october and the scrapes just blew up mm-hmm. right around the 15th. I think there was a cold front that came through. And I uh, went in one Sunday, did some walking, found a bunch of fresh scrapes. And I hunted there the first chance I had, which was that Thursday I had taken off work. And that would be, it would have been like the 23rd, I believe, of October. And sure enough, that was my, actually my first time out archery hunting last year. And I sat for about an hour and had a buck come by at, I think it was eight o'clock or yeah. I remember it was early. So. It was like you text me you were in the tree, and then it was twenty minutes later, and you just sent me a video like that didn't take long. You were all jacked yeah. up. Um, so as far as hunting big mountain ground like that, I think uh, what I'm going to do again this year is try and focus on scrapes. Um, the last few years, what I found is when you kind of get into the stretch there where there are doe coming into heat it seems like it almost gets a little tougher on the mountain that the deer are spread out a little more i don't know what the word is for it but when they're the the week or two weeks prior to that it almost seems like these buck are really moving covering a lot of ground um looking for that first doe and then when you hit a stretch there where you have multiple doe coming into heat in an area, it seems like it kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is. It almost like, uh, waters down the, mm-hmm. waters down the, uh, deer activity a little bit for one area. I mean, it, the mountains vast area, you can only cover, you know, so much of it at one time. So 
yeah, this, this week here, I have some vacation days next week planned. Um, I may change that up a little bit just based on the weather next week. I'm going to kind of watch it and hopefully there's at least a little bit of a cold front and I'm going to try and focus on that. And then it did see last year, it did seem like, uh, the last week of our archery season, it got kind of heated up again with buck activity on my cameras. So I'm going to focus. I, I was never growing up. Uh, I always had really good luck the end of the first week in November, the seventh, eighth, I shot a bunch yeah, of seventh buck. and eighth. was always the time yeah. you and I were shooting deer at that time when we were growing up. And, uh, I never really focused later than that. I don't know if it was for that reason or not, but I want to try and focus 12 13 somewhere in that stretch too if the weather's right i'm like i said i'm gonna watch the weather but so i hunted this evening like i said today's the the 19th i hunted this evening and the reason i went in today was a i had the wind um b i started getting some some pictures of shooters uh one for sure i would shoot and the other one that wasn't quite a shooter but i started getting pictures of buck moving through now most of them were just before daybreak but this time frame this is the window that i was talking about earlier this is the window that i've noticed at this property i'm hunting that i always start to get buck cruising through in daylight and it was always where i'd get pictures and then i'd hunt them and i was a day late and a dollar short so I had it in my mind this year that when it got to that last 10 days of October, any time that the wind was right, I wanted to hunt there and hopefully be ahead of the bell curve and see something yep. come through. And it was interesting tonight because I only saw three deer. But the three deer I saw, they were all fawns. At first, I thought it was a doe and, and two fawns. They came running out of the thick stuff, and I'm looking. I thought, oh, there's the big doe because it was it was it had its head up, and it was when the wind was swirling a little bit, and it, it kept – just picking its head up. I thought, that must be the doe. She must be getting a whiff of me every now and then. So I looked in the binoculars. I'm like, no, that's a button buck. And I thought, okay. I went behind it. Well, that's definitely a doe fawn. Then I went behind that. That's another button buck. So it was three fawns. So that that made me think later than I thought, where's mom? I thought, like, is, is it, are we here? Like, did she separate and is yeah. it starting at one, starting to come? And so I'm anxious to see what happens in the, the next 10 days. But, uh, Getting uh, getting back to uh, the, the the story at, at hand, um, I wanted to talk and bring up the story. I think you had a three year quest for a giant that you shot, and I want to say, tell tell me if my memory serves me right. Was this 2013? Yep, 2013. You shot there, and you, it was was it three years that you had? Yeah, that was the third year I had pictures of him. So leading up to that time, um, you like I said, you hunted a couple different properties, but this place that you ended up killing this deer, that was close to home. Did you hunt there much leading up until you got the pictures of that deer? Uh, I had shot one other buck there, um, shot a couple doe there, but it was always my place to go real quick if I didn't have much time, being it was so close to mm-hmm the house um but no once once that uh once i kind of got eyes on that bigger buck i started to spend some more time there um well for for good reason yeah for three years actually and he i'll be honest the first two years it kind of seemed pointless to me he 
seemed like the rut would come along even before the rut october would come along i mean i always had pictures of him in september i was gonna say do you remember the first picture you got of him yes uh so the first picture of him actually wasn't on that property um it was actually in you could say my grandparents at the time lived in this house uh, it was actually in the backyard of that house there's a narrow strip of woods mm-hmm. that goes through and i just hung a camera in there it's a really good funnel actually headed to another property and uh never hunted there it's not really big enough to hunt but i like to keep a camera there just to monitor right and uh that picture was i believe in the beginning of october and he would have been what i would assume is a three and a half year old buck then okay nice 10 pointer um but yeah the first picture i got of him i checked the camera one day and he came through uh sometime that week at like ten thirty in the morning he snuck through that strip there you know headed down to a bigger property and that was the first time i ever knew he existed mm-hmm. and then uh i think i may have had one or two more pictures of him probably same week or so and just like that just before the season uh i it could have been the first week of the season it was either very end of september or first week of october when he disappeared but yeah he eluded me then Mm -hmm. i mean i had several cameras out in the area and just disappeared for the rest of archery season and rifle season so you didn't actually see another picture or see him on the hoof the rest of that fall no uh I th- I think I did s- so I'd got some pictures of him after rifle season. Okay. Um right around uh it's probably just before Christmas I would say. And I knew he was back in the area then. So I thought I I'm not much of a late season archery hunter, but I thought I'm going to go after him in yeah, late season. Yeah, cuz you hadn't filled the buck tag that year. No. Um so I hunted him several mornings in that area that I was getting pictures of him. And sure enough, I saw him one morning at a distance and he had already shed one side. Mm. And then a few days later on the camera, he had shed his other side too. That would have been like early January. Yeah, it was, I want to say it was probably first, second week of January. I mean, it it wasn't very far into the flintlock season. Um, And I came to later find out i don't think i had known it that year but after i had killed him he had a what i would assume was a broken leg at the very bottom Mm. just above what you would call its ankle i guess and if you look back at those pictures i was getting that winter you can see he always had that leg up in pictures and uh he shed the opposite side antler then that's why he shed his antlers so early. So he had mm. some sort of injury. I don't know if it, you know, maybe took a bullet in rifle season or just messed up his leg somehow. But, um, so yeah, then the following, I, I don't think I had any cameras out then the following year till, uh, August, September. Sure enough, got pictures of him again and he, he didn't grow much, um, his, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't the rack at three and a half years old almost bigger uh, than it was the next year? Yeah, I would say, you know, very similar. If not, he was bigger at three and a half than four and a half. Um, whatever was wrong with his leg definitely affected his antler growth. So when you got pictures of him the next year as a four-year-old, did you 
like, were, were you already, like, I mean, it had to add fuel to the fire because this is two years in a row of pictures and you had an idea what he did before. So, like, at that point in time, were you starting to think you wanted to hunt this deer more or what was going through your mind at that yeah, point? Yeah, that, being he was around a, a second year, I I really put some effort into it then that I wanted to try and figure out, figure him out a little better. And I mean, a buck, a buck like that, I mean, he, he was a great buck to begin with, but when you have a little bit of history like that, it just fuels the fire. Um, but then the same thing ended up happening that year. He, uh, I don't think I had any pictures of him in October. He disappeared. I think I may have seen him one night around, um, it was right around Halloween when I was walking out, I actually had seen him a buck in a field fairly close to me in the dark. And I'm almost positive it was him, but he never really showed up on any of my cameras. There was another, there was another really big buck in that area that year. So I don't know if maybe that had something to do with it. Him, I was getting pretty consistent pictures of, and if he would have gave me the opportunity, I would have shot him. Right. I mean, he was a great buck too, but he almost seemed like he could have been a little bit of an older buck and maybe that was his range right. for the rut. But, uh, same thing happened that year, you know, after rifle season, he showed back up again and, uh, I had quite a few pictures of him through February, probably with antlers. And now in all that time frame, it's like you had two years of him doing very, very similar things. Did you learn anything, like, in the meantime, like, or, or formulate any thoughts of, like, where he was was when you weren't getting him? Like, was that information that never came across to you during those two years? I had, I had an inkling that he was hanging out on a really big property that has pretty low hunting pressure, but I, I can never prove that. Um, one thing I did come to find out after I had uh, shot him was, I don't know if I had said this or not, but I... The years that I did have, I, I always had some cameras out in the summer, never mm. got pictures of him in the summer until September was about the earliest I ever got pictures of him. Um, I did come to find out where he was spending his summers and it was a pretty good distance away. I mean, it was probably, oh, three quarters of a mile or so by the crow flies, um, away from the area that mm. I was at and apparently he was pretty consistent there other people were seeing him they knew about him um it's kind of funny when you when you kill a buck and some pictures get out there how you know whether it's all true or not but people say oh i saw that deer here i saw that deer there but the same thing happened to me when i shot mine and the neighbor found out i saw him like two years later and he goes i had pictures of that deer when he was a two-year-old i said yep. really and he and i thought he was kidding and they weren't trail camera pictures he literally had pictures of the deer he took with his phone they were in out of season in like january february like walking past his house i'm like that is without a doubt the deer i shot it's amazing how that happened i i even had heard some rumors and like i say this is a rumor to me because i didn't actually talk to these people i don't know how they could prove it um some other serious hunters in the area somebody had told me that they actually had pictures of this buck as a year and a half old buck a four-pointer now how they can prove that i don't know but like i said they're they're pretty good hunters so there is some credibility there probably, but, hmm. um, yeah, I, like I said, after the fact, I had found out where he was spending his summers. Um, so year two, you getting pictures of him 
were you did you still feel like you were hunting a ghost at that point did you shift gears at any point to another deer Cause, well because well, you were kind of back and forth i remember talking with you because you're like i want to hunt this deer but i just i also want to shoot shoot something like i said there was there was another really good buck in that area so i wasn't just hunting this 10 pointer i mean there was a that was a really big eight pointer and there that area always holds big buck there's mm-hmm. a lot of big buck there um, anything can happen when you're in a stand in that area. So I, I definitely didn't solely have my heart set on him, but it was always there in the back of my mind that one day he was going to show up and, uh, it didn't happen that year. Like I said, it, you know, he came back after Christmas sometime. And I, once again, I hunted a little bit in the flintlock season with my bow and never laid eyes on him. Um, but then the following summer, like I said, uh, it was probably August, September. I started running cameras down there, and uh, th- there he was. And this year he blew up. Mm-hmm. He overcame what was wrong with his leg, and this year he put some inches on. Yeah, and, he put some serious time length on. So yeah, like, I'm looking at him now, and he's he's one impressive deer. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that one brow tine is like nine inches, and he just really blew up and big body on him i mean you you could tell there was just something different about him this year and uh i thought well uh, almost kind of wrote it off i'm like that is an impressive buck but i don't want to get my hopes up because he's done the same thing in the last two years and i don't know where he's going but he's not here yeah keep in mind too where you're hunting you don't have a big chunk that you can hunt i mean you're adjacent to some large tracts of land but the the piece you had to hunt was fairly small, I believe. Yeah, very small. I mean, you know, one stand, you're not going to – the wind has to be right to hunt there. You don't have options. Mm-hmm. You don't have wind options. Um, uh, but, yeah, there's definitely some luck involved when you're hunting a property like that oh, that's absolutely. surrounded by really big parcels. Um, so you started getting pictures of him then the, the year you killed him, and – what changed in image intel that year? Because if I remember correctly, you, you it, it was a lot more like I, I remember texting back and forth and you talking about it, and it was it was definitely a different vibe that year. Yeah, all of a sudden that year something changed with him. He he didn't he didn't leave, and he he was consistent on a camera. His I don't know. I I would guess him to be five and a half years old that year, mm-hmm. and it was like his home range shrunk. I mean, to basically nothing. I mean, you could tell he was always close. I don't know if he was the biggest, baddest buck in the area then, and he just the doe numbers are very high in this mm-hmm. area. So a big dominant buck, he doesn't have to go far to find doe there. Okay. I mean, if he's keeping. If he's keeping the other buck away, I mean, there's plenty of doe there right, for right. him. I don't know if that was it or if, you know, as they get older, they get a little smarter and uh, shrink their home range a little bit for that reason that they don't, they they know where they're safe on, you know, a bigger property with less hunting pressure that they don't venture off because of that reason. Or like I said, maybe it's because he had everything he needed right there. There's a lot of factors that make you wonder that. I mean, I've seen that with certain deer. Like, I've already seen, too, where you kill a deer that does a certain pattern, and then the next year you see another one follow suit and do something 
sort of similar. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like, and I've heard like some very experienced whitetail hunters, like Bill Winky was the one that I used to watch all the time. When I used to watch Midwest whitetail and he would talk about how he'd watch deer and like, it seemed like their home range during daylight hours would shrink the mm-hmm. older they got. I, I actually have seen that one other time with a deer on the mountain that now I only had two years of history with him. Um, but yeah, the, I would say he was either a three or a four year old the first year and four or five the next year. Um, but the, the second year he definitely, I had a lot more pictures of him. He was a lot more consistent than he was the first year. Um, that that's definitely one other time that I've seen that. It, I think that there is definitely some credibility to that, that their home ra- home ranges shrink a little bit. So did you start hunting that deer from the get-go from the season opener that year? Yeah, so I was pretty much, like I said, in September, a bulk of my pictures were in September. He was very daylight. consistent. Daylight pictures in September. I thought I need to get on him, you know, right off the bat and never laid eyes on him uh, all through October. Um, was getting, I was starting to get more pictures of him again then and towards Halloween. Now, were you running cell cameras at the time, or was it all strictly SD cards? Um, I believe I may have had one cell camera. I th- I think I may have had one cell camera. That was the very first cell camera I had. Um, but I don't know if I was using it there or not. I'm, I can't say for sure. Mm. Um, I may have been. Um, but as far as pulling cards... Right around Halloween, he was starting to get more consistent, but still not a lot of daylight activity out of him. Okay. And then, um, I believe it was, I believe it was November 7th. Then I, uh, climbed into the stand that day fairly early. It was probably one o'clock or so. And I thought I'm a very windy day, probably the windiest day of the season. And I thought I'm going to get out there early and we'll see what, it, like I said, I had shot one other buck there, and that one was on a very windy day, too. I always like hunting that spot on a windy day. I don't mm. know what it is, but the deer seemed to filter through there on a windy day. Um, and I think I was in the stand for about an hour, hour and a half. I saw a smaller buck, and I think I saw a doe or two. And then it kind of died off till about 4.30. And all of a sudden, I happened to look up. And here he is standing in front of me like 10 yards. Never heard him come in. I mean, that's how windy it was. Those are the worst when it's and so quiet and it's just boom, they appear. I'm sitting down and he's staring at me in the tree stand. And I thought, oh no, I just blew my chances. <laughs> and just like that, he puts his head down and keeps walking towards me. And I kind of grabbed my bow off the hanger and stood up in one motion. And by that point, he was to my left side less than 10 yards away and uh drew back and stopped him and he looked right up at me and that's one thing you'll never forget when you have a buck that big stare at you in the tree stand oh my gosh yeah let an arrow fly and luckily it hit its mark and saw him fall over so so do you remember what it was like when you settled the pin on him and the only reason i asked that question is i mean i've been fortunate to shoot a lot of deer with my bow but the the big one i killed the other year that was a different experience than anything i'd ever had before because like i i 
you know, did you know, did the process the way I normally do, and I was pretty shook up because I knew I was hunting him. I knew he was in the area. I saw, I watched him come in. He comes down. He's he starts to turn broadside. I draw back, and for for a big deer, I at first felt pretty pretty calm, but the minute my pin hit his chest and I started to go through my shot sequence, it was like. There was so many voices in my head, like screaming, like just shoot, just shoot, just shoot, and I just kept like squeeze, 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 boom, and then it goes off. But it was like my, I started shaking so bad, and I, I had to like try to overcome that in my mind. And I was and I was wondering, like, biggest deer you ever drew back on? Did you have anything similar? Yeah, it's definitely a completely different experience. Like like you said, you know, you can shoot a bunch of other deer, and it doesn't compare to that when you have a deer of that size and a deer that you were chasing that hard in front of you. And like I said, when I, I had to stop him and, uh, like I said, he, he was looking at me when I first saw him. So as soon as I made a noise to stop him, of course he looks right back mm-hmm. at me in the tree stand. He knew where it came from. And I tell you what, there isn't a feeling like that when he's standing there staring you in the eyes and you're drawn back on him. But yeah, it's it's kind of hard to keep it together. <laughs> where did you uh, where did your mind go after the arrow let loose? Uh, I kind of thought it was unreal. Like it it didn't feel real. <laughs> this deer that you know I've been chasing for three years. I think I only uh, laid eyes on him in person one other time. That was when he had one antler. Yeah. Um, and there he was laying dead within sight. It was like this didn't just happen. Um. But yeah, it, it's a feeling like no other. Yeah, when you walk up to them too, and you like, they they it gets bigger and it gets yep. bigger, and like, there, there's a moment where you almost don't even want to pick him up. Yeah, like you just look at him and like, what did I just do? What just happened? The the thing that really hit me is after it was all said and done, you know, even I would go as far as say after that season it almost feels like you don't know what to do. Like, what are you going to do the next season now that you don't have that deer to chase? That's exactly why I wanted to talk about this because I think that segues into the next thing because the the buck that I killed in 2020, um, I shot him two years of pictures of him shot him. The next season felt like no other season before it was there was like a almost like a slight emptiness and i was i was still riding the high of shooting a deer like that that i don't want to say i wasn't excited to hunt the next year but it it was different it was like less yeah it i think you kind of have to just come to terms that you know you always dream of shooting a really big buck and you know always topping your last buck maybe or something like that and then you're hit with you know you got a really nice buck it's well how am i going to top that now i think you just have to come to terms with you may not i mean i easily could this one i mean if you're talking inches i think he's 143 you know and some change you could very easily top that around here i mean your buck may be a lot harder to top I think your buck was well, 170 some inches. It was 170, but the one thing that's been so interesting too is like it's the whole inches game. To me, it's just a number because when you compare 
like we did that one time. We put the rack of mine next yeah. to your mount, and when yep. you look at them, they look identical frame wise. The difference was like I think the one G two on yours was pretty weak, mm-hmm. and I think my beams were a little bit longer, and I might have had like a few more inches in mass. But when you look at the frame of the deer, they're the exact same caliber deer. So whether it's a hundred forty inch deer, whether it's a hundred seventy inch deer, to me. Those are the same deer because of the same age class. It was just the one just expressed a little bit more. Like to me, there's no difference. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. After that, I mean, I kind of switched gears that, you know, I'd be happy to harvest, you know, a three and a half year old deer every year. It doesn't matter what's on its head, just an older class of deer. If I could do that every year, I'd be happy. And then, you know, from there, I kind of, like you had said, I kind of switched where I hunt. I hunt the mountain a lot now. Well, now I'd be happy to kill, you know, a nice buck on the mountain every year and more so uh, more so, kind of find a buck and figure him out um, rather than focus on did, antlers. Did you struggle with that mind shift after that the next few years? Like, was that tough for you to, like, adjust your goals or your priorities then? Or, yeah, or, definitely. What? Yeah. I don't know. It, it is hard to to go out then and shoot a buck smaller than and younger than what you shot. Um, but like I said, I, after a year or two, I kind of got my goals straightened out, and you know, I know what I'm happy with now. I know what I want to work towards now. And the last few years here, it's been hunting on the mountain and finding a good buck on the mountain. Now I've chased some nice ones on the mountain. Oh, absolutely. But it it doesn't have to be that every year. I mean, right. The the thing, so so like in today's world, you know, there's so many people that, you know, it's either, you know, big, mature, five-year-old, blah, 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 or bust. And then there's a lot of people that, you know, there's almost like this separation within amongst hunters where, you know, the, the other half is, if it's legal and it makes you happy, just shoot it. And that's, that's almost the other opposite end where the mindset it's dumb to, to pursue a mature buck. And I, I've said this a million times, like it's all a matter of what you want to do and what you want to experience. But the one thing I will say is if you get into like chasing bigger deer and then you experience what it's like to connect on one or, or pursue one, it's not the same when you go and take a step backwards. Yeah. It's not like, like I don't care what anybody says and and I don't mean this to degrade any other animal I ever pursue, but the feeling of pursuit and the feeling of what comes in, it's just, it's, I guess it's part of maturing as, as a, as a hunter in a sense But like the way I think about it is growing up, I remember seeing two year olds and three year olds. And I would say, Oh my gosh, I saw a giant. I saw a giant. And in all reality, in some people's eyes, they might be, but in my eyes now, they're they're nice deer. Yeah. They're, they're really good deer. Um, So now, if I see a two or three-year-old, I mean, I passed a buck up the other year that I believe was a three-year-old, and if I had to put it an inches guess, he, was, he probably went Pope and Young. I mean, he was probably bigger than that. And he stepped out, and I looked at him, and it got me excited, but it just was like, Nah, he, he's he's a nice deer, but that's that's just I don't want to end my season this quick, and yeah. it, it just it wasn't the same feeling. So again, I don't think it matters what anybody 
chases. I don't care what anybody shoots. Do what makes you happy. But for me personally, it's a different feeling when you experience that. And I don't know how to, else to convey it. Other than yeah. that. It's just, it's just different. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. But like what you were talking about with like hunting the mountain and like, it, it's a new challenge. It's a new pursuit. So it's, it's, it's almost a sense that like the deer or the inches side or the, 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 how do I, how do I convey this? Like the, the biggest deer of your dreams is not the challenge. The challenge is figuring out a tough place to hunt with what is available in that area. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what really draws me to it. I mean, I got, I, I don't know how many years I've been hunting the mountain now. The reason I really got into it is my wife's grandparents had owned some property on the mountain that unfortunately has since been sold now, but I started hunting there. And then after that got sold, I'm like, well, I, I'm kind of really enjoying this, even though that was on private land. Now I did venture onto the public too. I mean, it, butted up against public land but that opened your eyes up to what was there yeah that that's what i like most about it is the unknown i mean where i most of the areas i grew up hunting or you know wood patches ag land Mm -hmm. if you had cameras there you kind of knew what was in the area where the mountains a little bit different there's there's always buck that show up that you have no idea were there and there's some really good ones that do that. Oh, absolutely. So that's kind of what always keeps me really at it is the unknown, you know, push a little farther, you know, what's over this ridge. Is that a better area out there? Um, is this an area that's untouched by other people? Um, I, this, uh, this past winter here in shed season, uh, just early spring, I put a, to me, it's a lot of miles. To some guys, it's probably not much at all. But I think I put like probably close to 70 miles on shed hunting mm-hmm. and scouting and covered areas that I have never been before. And it was awesome. I look forward to doing it again this spring. I mean, some of those areas were a bust, to be honest. I put cameras there. Didn't amount to much. Um, some of them, some of them, there are some nice buck there, but I kind of had to justify is it worth going in that for you know when i have good deer elsewhere that are a little easier to access Um, options are good yeah but that that's what i was really looking for this spring is different options and i i did find some like i said that area that i've been hunting this year i really didn't have any history hunting there but there's a couple nice buck hanging out there so that's why i'm to me the way you're explaining that and the way i'm hearing it and i thought about this here recently you're describing it in a way to me that that says you're looking for something that is yours like your own so like when you're hunting uh when you're hunting a piece of ag land permission that you you're confined to a small border and you get this and that i think it's easy to just like you're going to plateau at some point what you can do there because there's yeah. only so many place, trees you can hang a stand there's probably only so many things you can do and you get to a point for me, you get to a point where this isn't my own. I'm I'm hunting here. I like hunting here, but there's got to be something more. Yeah. And, like, and I, I say that too because it's after the fact that you accomplished a goal. You accomplished shooting a big mature deer, yep. and it, it was on that. But like after that, you're you're looking for the new thing. So like going out and venturing out to the mountain or a piece of public land or a new property. It's the adventure of new and like 
there's like a possession thing. And the same thing happens like if you own land. Yeah. Like if you own property and you have the ability to manipulate it, change the habitat, change the structure, add whatever you want to it, that is something you can call your own. And that's a fuel you can always keep stoked because you have the control to do yeah, what you want on that property. Your, your opportunities are endless. Right. But if, if you're, you know, hunting by permission land, there's a chance that next year you don't have that. Yep. And, you know, or maybe it's uh, family land where it'll always be there, but you only have so much pull in what you can do there. Or yep. maybe, you know, Uncle Joe has a stand here and this and that, and I want to put a food plot in, but nobody wants to do that. So you get to a point where it's like, I want to find something that's my own. And you can do that if you put the time in and the boot leather on, on public land. Right. We're very fortunate here in our local area to have the public land we do, and all through Pennsylvania. Yeah, we got, what, what do we have? I think I added it up. There's like three or four million acres of public land yeah, throughout I mean, the state. You basically have unlimited land to go out and pursue, you know, hunt how you want. I mean, think about where we hunt in rifle season at my camp. Yep. That is on two sides of the mountain. I think if you add it up, it's around 120,000 acres of, of state forest land. Yep. I don't even know if you could get through every nook and cranny of that in 30 years of deer hunting. Yeah. I mean, you could hunt a lot of it, but it's like, we, what do you think we, about that? What we, we always, we're tired when we're done with that hunt. And we barely scratch the surface. We didn't touch a fraction of it. I know. And I just think there's there's something about that, and you know whatever the the goal is that you have, it's like just what's next, what's next, and, and keep going. And I like that you kind of shifted gears and talked about that because, like, I still every now and then struggle with like what what do I want to do this year? And that's why I had to, like, I'm not saying I stepped away from deer hunting this year because by no means did I do that, but I just flipped the switch for whatever reason that like I don't know, I just wanted to do more bear hunting this yeah. year, try to do. And that really got me excited. And, yeah. I, and I, I was actually wondering, so I, I shot that bear in Jersey and I was thinking maybe if I shoot one with the bow, that'll, that'll, you know, that'll be fine. That'll satisfy me. And I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Since I did that, I have not thought about anything other than how can I get on a yeah. bear one next year? What other areas can I yeah. check out? How can I learn how they're using this swamp stuff? So like, that's just new new fuel, and it's just yep. again, it goes back to that new pursuit, that new challenge. Yeah. So I I I wanted to talk about that because number one, every time I look at that buck, I think about the story of that. Like you like because we talked about that a lot over that those three years, and I'll never forget when you uh, I was in college. I was I, I'll never forget. I was in the third floor of the library of college when you sent me the picture with him, and I was like. He got it done. I was like, I was like ready to jump and scream, you know, in school because I was so happy for you that you finally accomplished that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely an unreal feeling once he's laying there in front of you after three years. But so you got some new pursuits too coming up because I, I know you went out west and you were you were hunting. Uh, you shot a pronghorn. Uh, was that two years ago? Uh, actually three years ago now. Three years ago, you shot a, a really nice pronghorn and you've been putting a bunch of, bunch of points in out West and kind of seems like that's been, uh, like another new. Yeah. I'm fortunate. Uh, my wife's family lives out West. Um, so kind of gives me a little bit of a hookup out there. Um, 
but yeah, I have an elk hunt coming up in 2025 in Wyoming. And, uh, well, you're buying antelope points now. I tell you what, that antelope hunt, I don't think that's anything I could ever get tired of doing. Really? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just the style of hunting is a blast. There, I mean, there's so many different extremes with that too. Like some yeah. people are like, ah, oh, it's boring. And the next people like, I love it. Yeah. It, I tell you what, it's so different from any hunting here that, right. I mean, it's loaded with them out there. Did you enjoy the long range shooting aspect of it? Uh, I did. I'll be honest with you. It kind of made me nervous at first. I mean, how so? Well, around here, we don't shoot those distances. That's the first time I ever done anything like that. I mean, I killed that antelope at like 352 yards oh. and that's, that's long for, you know, around for me, here. that's long. I mean, yeah. long range people are like, that's, that's a chip yeah. shot for yeah. me. That's a four shot. Yeah. Um, so when I was laying there on the ground, ranging this thing, I'm like, man, I don't know about this. And it took a while just to settle down and settle that crosshair on really? it. And yeah. And, uh, sure enough, it hit its mark and then it's like, oh, well this isn't so bad after all, but <laughs> the first time you do it, yeah, it's, it's a different experience than, you know, shooting that deer around here with the rifle. I mean, what's our average shot around here with a rifle? Probably. I bet you, I have, of all the deer I've killed, I can probably count the number of deer I've shot on one hand over a hundred yards with a rifle. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, center fire rifle. I mean, what the heck? Guys are shooting over a thousand yards with a lot of them. Yeah. I just remember, like, like again, it's the, the different different mindsets and different people. Like, I remember talking about it with my uncle with antelope hunting. And, uh, you know, he did that. And he used to be into long range shooting. And he said to me one time, he said, ah, he said, if you can shoot a groundhog, you can shoot an antelope. He said, it's not that hard. But I never did it. So, like, I, I've never got into long range shooting. I don't know what that's like. I, I almost have, like, a a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth over long range hunting. And it's not because I have any problem with it, but like I've been, I've been hunting in parts of Pennsylvania where long range hunting is occurring. And I, I, I'm upset about, I, I feel as though the places it's being used, it's not safe. Yeah. An example I'll give you is we were doing uh, a couple of years ago, we were doing a bear drive and we were doing this side hill and uh, we had bear in our drive. In fact, one of the standers shot a bear and, uh, we were hearing other shots and I was thinking it was our guys and we're going out the side hill and we found a dead bear and you know, we, you know, we're trying to figure out which one of our guys shot it and here. Nobody shot it. We're like, what happened with this? And, and here there was a group of guys that from the opposite uh, hillside shot into our drive. You know, there was standers on the right side of them and drivers on the left side of them yep. shot in between us. You know, and, and this is an open, this, this is hardwoods. You know, you're shooting from a, a ridge top through, through trees to, uh, to this bear. And, you know, they killed it. It was in no, no, nothing was wrong. I think they said it was like a 700 some yard shot. And again, I'm not, I have no problem with that style of hunting. I just felt as though we were being shot at and that, that just left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. So then when I think about long range hunting out West, it's perfectly safe um, if if you use your head, but it's just like I don't. I just can't get that out of my head. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I that wouldn't make me feel very good either. Especially, I mean, they the hunters who shot that bear they have to be 
knowing of what you guys are doing, I would think, at that distance. I'm oh, sure. sure they can see what's happening. They watched us. Because they told us that there was another bear that they couldn't shoot because it was too close to our guys. And I'm thinking, yeah. well, the first one you shot at wasn't that far from us. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just like bolts do weird things at that distance with trees Yeah, and stuff. not only is it uh, a little unsafe to me, it's a little unsportsmanlike, too. I mean, to... Well, I mean, I guess so. But at the same time, it's public land. I mean, yep. you know, we've had, you know, there's... There's absolutely nothing wrong with you doing a drive and somebody sits in the middle of your drive and, yeah. and shoots something. I yeah. mean, it might leave a bad taste in your mouth because you guys didn't get it, but it's public land. You've got every right to be there. And yeah. like, I, I don't get upset about that. And I don't even get upset about us chasing a bear and somebody else shoots it long range. It was just the aspect of it just didn't seem safe. But I think that's a neat pursuit that you're talking about at West. So I'm kind of curious, you know, you were talking about the new pursuit around home with, with, pursuing the mountain, trying to shoot some good deer up there. Talk about Wes. I'm just kind of curious, when you look out over the next few years, what are some of the, like, things that excite you the most or, like, just goals that you have for you? Like, that, that next thing that lights a little bit of, of a fire under you for your next thing you want to check off hunting. Um, well, like you said, getting out west more is definitely at the top of my list. Uh, I'm finally after – years of buying points i'm finally in the position that i can go on several hunts here in the next couple of years um also i'm gonna keep pursuing the mountain here i mean i don't see that getting old to me anytime soon um my wife and i did just buy a property here this summer small property but we do have deer on it i'm looking forward to uh doing some things here just to make it a little better mainly for her i don't know that i'll ever really hunt a whole lot on this property but until the next good one shows. yeah yeah <laughs> and uh one of my more long-term goals is to buy a little more property that mm -hmm. i can manage a little better uh doesn't have to be huge but um there's some property bordering our land here that hopefully one day it comes up for sale and we're in the position that maybe we could buy it and focus a little more on managing that um for deer yep uh and the other thing we got to get you is we got to get you a bear yet yeah yeah i many encounters with bears but i'm always yeah, I, I will, the, I will, the next I'll, guy in line usually. yeah but at the same time i gotta say this of all the people that i've hunted with when it, even though you haven't killed one you were one of the daggone luckiest people for seeing bear yeah like p the one year you saw at camp. You saw a bear two days in a row. Didn't yep. get didn't get shooting. The one guy in our group got it. You saw another one the next day. Didn't get shooting. And there was a couple other times that you were you'd go out by yourself or with a buddy in bear season, and you were around them all the time. I'm yeah. like, I know people who hunted forty years and didn't yeah. didn't see one. Yeah, I, I'm a magnet for them. Just never <laughs> quite at the right time or quite in the right spot i don't know what it is but you would think sooner or later it's gonna have to happen but i would think if you keep spending enough time too especially yeah. when you're hunting in a place that has them like with the concurrent uh bear seasons over deer season right now yeah. um and you're in a position where one could stroll over a point at any point yeah. you never know i mean the the group hunt at your camp that that is probably two days of hunting season that i look forward to the most every year even though i've never been you know, real big on rifle hunting. Me neither. But I don't know. There's something about that type of hunting was with a, a good group of guys. Yeah, that There was a time that 
the thought of break putting the bow away and breaking the rifle out like was distasteful. Like I used to feel when archer season closed, hunting season for me felt over. Yeah. And I was uh I still do this sometimes, but there for a while like all I took was the bow, even in rifle season I took the bow. And when I started going back up to camp, and what what prompted me to go to camp was just the fact that I wanted to go back up and hunt with my dad. I hadn't hunted with him for years, and he always wanted to go to camp. I thought, well, I'll go there. And uh, I, I, the one year I went up, didn't shoot a buck, just decided I'm going to explore, and I shot a great buck. And it was like a light switch flipped, like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Start exploring new areas. And now, like, the the don't ask me why we do this as, as deer hunters with, with a bow and stuff, but, like, I put so much pressure on myself to shoot one with a bow and like it's 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 a one man thing, one man band sort of when you're trying to fill your buck tag that time of year. So just to break up the monotony for two days and hunt as a group, and it's never Travis shot a buck or Mitchell shot a buck. It's we got a buck, yeah. we got a bear, and that's just fun. And I think we keep doing better every year. I mean, we're figuring things out. Um, Everybody's learning the lay of the land up there a little better, I think, which definitely helps. Oh, it certainly does. It puts less stress on me when I've got to explain to guys where yeah. to go. Yeah. See, that's that's what I was going to mention is those two days, there's always, you know, hunting around here, hunting for by yourself, it seems like there's always some amount of stress involved to it. Yeah. Even though it's not... Self-inflicted. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, but it, there's always a little bit of stress to it. When I go up there... I don't have any stress. It's like, I'm just going up here to have fun. But you, on the other hand, I think it would be stressful for you to keep a group of 20-some guys well, it's, in line. it's less stressful now than it was when we started for two reasons. The first reason, the first, the first two years, it was stressful because I'd never had that many people that I was right. kind of leading. I think the first year we did it, we had 15. The second year... I believe was 21. And I think since then it's been over 20 every year. Um, that was intimidating to, to try to communicate yeah. and, and try to figure out how to coordinate who goes where and does what. Like, like, cause, cause even though I, I'm the one saying we're going to do this area, I still need to have somebody that I can, I can explain the woods where I want them to go, where I want them to set people up and how to access it. And some of the areas, like, we've all hunted it, but we all describe it a little bit differently because we've never hunted it together. Like, I've never walked into the woods with yeah. you, just the two of us, and said, hey, at this spot, you, and, and this is where I want you to go in at this point. Like, There's so you, many you, different terms for different exactly. landmarks. So, and, like, yeah. the, the, the describing that, that, that was what was intimidating the first two years was the explanation of how I wanted to do it. And then just the overall, like, just stress of, you know, making sure everybody's having a good time. And I don't want to let anybody down. Because I put, you know, most of the guys in the group, they don't have that stress of if we get something or not, we're hunting together. But right. when you're doing it, like, the first drive, I remember the first year, we're doing the drive, and I heard that first shot crack. And I was <laughs> like, oh, thank God. I was like, like a weight lifted yeah. off my shoulders. Like, thank goodness we got something because it was just, I just yeah. put so much stress on myself at that point. But it is, it is just a fun way of hunting. And it's one of those things. It's just, it's kind of become fun. And so many people like talk bad about that style of hunting. And 
that it's not hunting and they don't enjoy that. And that's fine, but I think you're missing out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, we aren't winning them all either. I mean. Oh, my goodness, no. <laughs> but what was funny, too, is like, so you and a couple of, other, of our other buddies never hunted like that and yeah. never hunted in a setting like that. Yeah. So, like, the first year you guys came up, first of all, I was surprised just because it was new to you. And I'm thinking, you guys are used to seeing a lot of deer and hunting places, you know, down at home. So are they going to enjoy this and, you know, this, this lower deer density type stuff and like the, the excitement that you guys have to go up to camp and do that. Like last year, you and our buddy Garrett, you guys had your tags filled. Yep. Like you were done. Yeah. And we had a blast going up there and walking every drive. Yeah. I know I did. I know Garrett will be back again. Yeah, he's just the he's just worth the price of admission because when he goes through the stickers, it's usually an expletive every other word. <laughs> yeah, no, I and I I think it's neat too how you know most of it comes from older guys. Um, you hear them around here. Oh, you know, going upstate is it's dead. That yep. doesn't happen anymore, and it, it's not dead. All they have to do is take a look at that camp there, and they'd realize it. It it is still happening. It's just. It's it's just much lower concentration. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I don't think there's a lot of a lot of camps that have guys our age that want to hunt that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a lot of work. I mean, well, it is a lot of work, and it's intimidating because you know you're you know full time job wife. Right. You know you're thinking about starting a family. I've got two little boys. You know my life and my mindset of what's my priorities has really shifted. So having enough time to be successful in a situation like that, like I always want to put time into to reap your rewards, right? And I just don't have that as much. So right. it's just easier that, hey, in the off season when I have an hour of time, I'm going to go put a camera out here. I'm going to check this camera and I'm going to cut it, hang this stand and cut a shooting lane. And then that's going to be my place that I spend my time. And then just to say, you know, if, if you don't have the time throughout the off season to go scout two, three hours away at a camp, or you don't have the time to, in the fall, in archery season, go up and archery hunt or, or fall turkey hunt or grouse hunt or something right. like that to just say, okay, now I'm just going to shift everything off that the little bit of preparation I've done early, I'm just going to turn all that off and I'm going to go to camp where there's low deer density. I have no idea what the food shifted, like all that. That That's that's intimidating. But yeah. the, the fact that we're doing that to some degree. I, I, I again, I just said it. I'll say it again. It breaks up the stress and the monotony of how you hunt on your own all year long, and it's the the camp camaraderie. I mean, we have so much fun. It's oh great. yeah, it's a blast. And the thing I love about that too is, so like I'm I'm a novice. I'm I'm really learning how to hunt that way, and I've been blessed that so many people were willing to let me like take leadership of that. But what's great is there's guys in the group that have done it. Mm-hmm. Like like when they were our age, they were doing that yeah. style of hunt. So then every time we have that hunt, at the end of the day, they'll they'll give me advice. Yeah. Hey, this is what I saw happen. This is how I can improve it. Yeah. And I love that because I learned so much from that. Yeah. Like I was talking about that with your father-in-law the other day, like we, him and, and Rob. Yeah. We were talking about how like at the end of the day last year, Rob came up to me as like, hey, you did a good job. Here's a couple things that I noticed that this would be. He goes, and, you know, right away, it's like, oh, don't take offense. Don't. I'm like, no, I don't. All, yeah. all years, how can I make this better? Yeah. I, I, 
that part is fun for me too because I learn from guys that way. And like I said, I think it's improved every year so mm. far. Um, just a combination of it, it's a little difficult when you have a bunch of people that have never set foot on a piece of land. Yeah. It, you know, you're the guys who have your stretch kind of thin with them yep. and you can't make everything happen that you want to happen. You can't, you know, have everybody exactly where you want just because the first few years anyway when we were we were doing like we knew the area but we didn't know how we wanted to push it so then like we do it and we're like well we did this well but we needed to button this up a little bit better and then we improved it but now that you get guys that are coming back every year each year they know it a little better and the drives are getting a little better And, and i'm perfectly honest i would love to explore some new areas yeah there's areas i've got pins on there's areas i've hunted on my own that i would love to figure out how can we get the guys back there and Another thing, too, is, like, maybe we just need to make it three days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I took uh, I took vacation Thursday and Friday again this year, so. Yep, me too, and that's what I'm looking forward to. But, hey, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Thanks for uh, thanks for walking walking through that. I was, I, I, like I said, I, I lugged the, the trips down memory lane because I think you learn stuff. And, I, like I said, every time I, I look at that deer and I think about history of deer, like, it's, to me, those are always exciting, so. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and and uh, chatting about us. It was good luck this year. You bet. You too. Thanks for having me.